You're listening to ReachMD. This medical industry feature is titled The Pathophysiology and Pathoetiology of Heart Failure. Here's your guest, Dr. Stephen Green. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening today to the second podcast in our Heart Failure series. My name is Dr. Stephen Green, and I am a heart failure cardiologist at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. Last time, my colleague, Dr. Nancy Albert, discussed the epidemiology and disease burden of heart failure. Today, we will compare the pathophysiology and pathoetiology of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction to that of heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. This podcast is supported by and made on behalf of Boehringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Lilly USA LLC. Content discussed during this podcast has been reviewed for consistency with FDA guidelines and is not approved for continuing medical education credit. One of the most important things we know about heart failure is that it doesn't affect everyone equally. And there are some differences in terms of the risk factors and pathophysiology that tend to lead to heart failure with reduced ejection fraction versus heart failure with a preserved ejection fraction. There's quite a difference between heart failure with reduced ejection fraction and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, and we'll discuss during our time together today. By definition, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, which accounts for a little less than half of all heart failure cases, is caused by weakening of the heart muscle and there is decreased systolic function. This can impair the ability of the heart to pump enough blood out of it or leaves the heart with elevated filling pressures. These features drive many of the classic symptoms of heart failure, including things like dyspnea, swelling, and fatigue. Along with this weakened heart muscle, the hearts of patients with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction are often also dilated as a result of left ventricular remodeling. Conversely, heart failure with preserved ejection fraction is the result of endothelial dysfunction, arterial stiffening, and left ventricular abnormalities that can arise from a variety of processes including some common conditions such as uncontrolled hypertension. Here, the heart muscle is stiff and thickened, which results in elevated filling pressures. Even though the hearts of patients with reduced versus preserved ejection fraction can look substantially different on imaging and have different pathophysiology, the symptoms of heart failure with reduced versus preserved ejection fraction are often the same and can be hard to distinguish by history and physical exam alone. For example, just like heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, the common symptoms of heart failure with preserved ejection fraction are also dyspnea, swelling, and fatigue. That being said, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction tends to be more common among men, while heart failure with preserved ejection fraction tends to be more common in women. Let's go into a little more detail about the complex pathophysiology surrounding heart failure and how it differs when ejection fraction is reduced versus when it is preserved. Heart failure with reduced ejection fraction often results from myocardial injury, which can be caused by a host of cellular consequences, including oxidative stress and cardiomyocytes, an increase in cardiomyocyte necrosis, apoptosis, and or autophagy, or a decrease in myocardial contractility. The pathophysiology of heart failure with preserved ejection fraction is less well understood. Some evidence suggests that heart failure with preserved ejection fraction is pathologically a systemic pro-inflammatory disease that results from microvascular endothelial inflammation and an increase in inflammatory biomarkers such as interleukin-6, tumor necrosis factor alpha, and or soluble suppression of tumorigenesis 2, better known as soluble ST2. It can also result from an increase in cardiomyocyte stiffness and interstitial fibrosis 
or an increase in passive stiffness and fibrosis. Although they are functionally and pathologically distinct diseases, comorbidities such as diabetes, hypertension, chronic kidney disease, obesity, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease are shared risk factors for both heart failure with reduced ejection fraction and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Therefore, it is important to understand the underlying comorbidities and to optimally manage them when diagnosing and taking care of an individual with heart failure. Thank you for joining me today. As we discuss the pathophysiology and pathoetiology of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction have some distinct differences and it is important to understand them in order to fully appreciate the debilitating effects of the disease. I hope you'll join my colleague, Dr. Albert, for the next chapter in our heart failure podcast series as she outlines the importance of heart failure disease state awareness, including how heart failure is classified. This program is part of a six-part series supported by and created on behalf of Boehringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Lilly USA LLC. If you missed any part of this discussion and would like to access the other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash industry feature. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.